Hey, everybody, I'm Corey. I'd like to pray just before we begin this morning's message. Join me in prayer. Let's pray. God, today I thank you for every blessing that's in front of us. Uh, God, I thank you for the people that are in our lives. I thank you for this beautiful world that you've made. I thank you for providing for our needs. God, I thank you that you've been our faithful presence in good times and hard times. God, you've been constant in our lives. And it's sometimes even when we haven't seen you, God, uh, we've just seen after the fact you were with us every step of our difficult ways. God, today I pray you'd be with people who are going through difficult times, having to make difficult decisions. Pray for our leaders, that you'd give them wisdom in these confusing times. God, I pray for our students as well, as they go the last mile of the way when it comes to school. I pray for graduating students, that there would be a sense of celebration about what's happening in their lives. Lord, that nothing would ruin that celebration. And God, I pray for students that are looking for work as well. Uh, would you help them to be able to provide for their needs going forward? God, I pray for workers who feel like their jobs are in jeopardy. Lord, I pray that you provide for them, provide employment, provide uh, security in terms of job security for them. God, today I pray for the sick. Pray for those that are recovering. Pray for those that are going through cancer treatments in, in these days. I pray, Lord, that we'd hear lots of stories about healing and how you're bringing people through to the other side to health. And God, I pray for those that are grieving this week, who've lost loved ones. Lord, I pray those that are grieving the loss of people and just being around others. I pray for seniors in nursing homes. God, I pray that they would feel your presence, that they'd feel strong love, even in their loneliness. So Lord, now I pray that as you take care of those needs, that you take care of the deep needs of our soul to be fed and to, to, uh, to understand more as your word gives us light. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, question I want to ask uh, this week, it's something I'm wondering about. What are you talking about lately? As you're having conversations with your friends, with your family, what are the topics? What are the themes? And it's probably pretty obvious that you're talking about COVID-19 and the situation, all the shutdowns and, and things like that, and probably the weather. Of course, the weather, right? Always the weather. But what else? Is there anything deeper that's coming up? Do, do you ever find people opening up to you in a way that maybe they haven't before, in a more meaningful way? I believe that there's an opportunity in this crisis to pivot your conversations to deeper issues. And what are you going to do with that opportunity? Uh, always we remember the why of our church, and that is to lead people to Jesus so they can have changed lives. And I want to tell you that, that nothing, not even self-isolation, not even self-distancing, changes that all-important mission, our why. But there are a lot of challenges to sharing your faith in these days. I want to talk about them just for a moment. And they often always revolve around fear, the things that we're afraid of. And that fear comes packaged in several forms. Maybe these seem familiar to you. First of all, a lot of us feel inadequate because you might say, hey, I don't know enough to be able to share my faith with other people. Uh, others of you might say this, listen, I don't want to be rejected. I hate the word no. I hate it when there's a door slammed in my face. Others of you are 
worried about maybe being embarrassed. Will I be embarrassed if I share my faith and I fall flat on my face? Others of you might be afraid about how you're being perceived. What will they think of me? All of these things are fears that can serve as obstacles for you sharing your faith. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed it, but uh, it took me a while to notice this about my laptop. But uh, if you have a laptop at home, uh, I, I always, uh, always kind of wondered about this. I often, I don't know about you, but often when I grab my laptop, I open it the wrong way. I can't find where the true opening is. And do you know why that is? It's because of the logo. The logo is upside down. Have you ever noticed that? And, and so when you open it up, it's right side up. But when you close it, it's upside down, at least to you. Uh, and I came to understand that uh, this is something that's kind of evolved over the last number of years. And in fact, uh, there's kind of legendary stories about the big company Apple. Their first uh, laptops, or whatever they call them, MacBooks at the time, they had the logo right side up uh, because they were a company that cared so much about their customers that, hey, they wanted their customers to be able to open it up right away. But then it was noticed, of course, that every time this thing was open and somebody walked by and you know, saw that logo lit up, that it was upside down. And so there's a sense over time people thought, well, that kind of looks ridiculous. And even though they probably changed it to sell more laptops, you know, the whole idea of consumption, I think it serves as a really interesting kind of parable of our times because I think one of the challenges in sharing our faith is turning our lives inside out. I think maybe that's one of the biggest challenges, that my life isn't about me, that the mission of my life isn't just to make me happy and to further my own agenda, but the mission of my life is to show the love of Jesus to other people. In other words, you know, turn the logo of our lives upside down so that other people see Jesus. I thought that that was a really, uh, that was a really good analogy that, uh, just a, that I see every day. Uh, and in fact, sometimes I think about that when I open up my laptop. Oh yeah, I got to live my life inside out. It's not just about, it's not just for me. I'm living for other people. So today we're going to learn how to use setbacks as an opportunity to start spiritual conversations and to introduce people to Jesus. And uh, we're going to be connecting this morning to a story about an early church leader, Paul, who found sharing Jesus to be absolutely impactful in the most unlikely of places. And uh, so the story is found in Acts chapter 16. And it's really a bunch of stories wrapped up in one. First of all, it's a story of a slave girl. The Bible says that she was dominated. She was controlled by an evil spirit. And she made her owners a lot of money as she predicted their future, as she uh, read their future, things like that. And when they met Paul and his buddy, what happened is she sort of drew attention to the fact that they were serving God. She said some incredible things that were true and right about who they were serving, the real, the true God. And Paul and Silas turned to her and in the name of Jesus set her free. And that caused a huge ruckus. So as the power of the gospel was displayed in the freeing of the slave girl, the slave owners who felt threatened, they started a mob. And let's deal with these troublemakers. The gospel, of course, is always a threat to our self-interests. But if you open our heart to it, it's the power of God. And then 
here's what happens. Paul and Silas find themselves thrown into jail. And as they're thrown in jail, they're in chains, in stocks. I'm sure uncomfortable, possibly in pain. And here's what it says that they did. Here's what it says happened. Starting in verse 23 of Acts chapter 16, it says, They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. What did they do? What would we do? Here's what they did. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, this is the story, if you keep on reading, it's a story of a prison break that never happened. Because at that moment, uh, the, the prison shook with an earthquake and their chains were released. And it was in that moment that, that they could have just escaped. Uh, the Philippian jailer, he was ready to, to kill himself because he thought that all the prisoners were going to escape. But Paul reassured, no, that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this earthquake wasn't for us to escape. But it was to show the love of Jesus and the power of God. Now, I think the, the turning point in the story, you could easily say that it was when the earthquake happened and God's power just amazingly set them free. But I believe the true turning point of this story is in this defining and defeating moment when they were in chains, they chose to sing. They chose to sing. That was the defining moment. It was a powerful, powerful witness to everybody who was watching, the other prisoners and the jailer himself. And in fact, that's where the story ends. It's the story of a, a family whose lives were changed forever. Because the, the jailer, he opened his heart up to God. He saw how persistent and single-minded the focus of Paul and Silas was. And he was incredibly, uh, how incredibly courageous that they were. And here's what it says he did. It comes in the form of a question. It says, Then the jailer brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And this family was changed forever. They, they all invited Jesus into their lives, and they experienced freedom. In fact, this story is really all about freedom. Uh, everybody who believes in Jesus in this story gets set free. Paul and Silas, they were set free. The, the girl who was healed by Jesus, she was set free. And then the family of the jailer himself, they were set free when they believed in Jesus. And the irony is this, the people who held the keys, the power and the success and the control, they were enslaved. They, they were still in their chains, strapped to their agendas. And so it's this, this irony, right, that the people who were slaves are set free. And the people who were in power, they stayed in their chains. It's, Jesus said it himself. He says, unless the Son sets you free, that you can't be free indeed. Only when the Son sets you free can you be free indeed. In this story, I find all sorts of tools for sharing our faith with other people. I want to kind of go through this toolbox uh, a little bit with you. So the, the first piece of the toolbox. What you need in order to share your faith with others is, first of all, to see the need in others, that people actually need Jesus. If you never get to this motivation, you're probably never going to share your faith unless you see that people are beautiful and amazing and they've been made in the image of God and, and they're, they're living 
even though they're good people, they're living without God. Unless you see the need that, yeah, this person, their lives could be so incredible if they just met Jesus. Until you get to that point, where are you going to find the motivation to share your faith? So this one of the most important tools in your toolbox is just to see the need that people would come to Jesus. See what a difference it could make in their lives. The second tool is this. It's, I guess, what I call passion. And it's this. Your passion matters way more than your presentation when it comes to sharing your faith. Uh, I, I love the story of how the disciples, after Jesus uh, rose from the dead, and Jesus predicted this, uh, they were waiting, they were huddled, they were fearful, right? They definitely weren't uh, 11 people who were going to change the world. And what happened was, Jesus said, he, he predicted this in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, wait, wait for power from on high. And who was Jesus talking about? He was talking about the Holy Spirit. And really amazing, this is Pentecost Sunday. This is the Sunday when we recognize that our lives are dry and they're powerless unless we open them up to the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you, that's the biggest tool in your toolbox. And that is this, that, that the Holy Spirit, if you allow the Holy Spirit to fill your life and control your life, you're going to be filled with a passion that's going to drive you sharing your faith. The third tool is this, uh, invitations. Use invitations. Invite people. Invite people to things. Invite people to read things. Invite people to listen to things. Invite people to watch things where they are going to learn about Jesus, learn more about faith, ask more questions about their faith. Uh, I, I've often told people in these days that it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's so easy to share your faith. Uh, maybe you're connected to, uh, obviously you're connected to our church Facebook uh, group and you're listening to that probably right now or maybe kind of uh, you're listening through our YouTube site. What will happen is this, it's so easy just to like it and to share it with other people. It's never been so easy to just invite somebody to watch, say, one of our messages, to hear about Jesus. How easy is that? What a great way to start. If you feel like, oh, I don't know where to start in sharing my faith, just like us. Share us. Easy to do. Uh, the next tool in the toolbox is just to, to change our thinking about how we share our faith. Really what you're doing is you're making an introduction to people about your very best friend. And I, I, I've often thought it's ironic. Uh, in my own life, and I'm sure you see this in your lives too, right? We have no problem introducing other people to the stuff we like or the people we love. Right? If, I, if I'm standing uh, next to somebody who's in my family or a good friend and somebody comes along, I'm going to introduce, hey, I want you to meet my, my, my best friend or I want you to meet my family member, right? And you introduce them, their name, and hope they get to know each other. And, and in fact, it even so silly as this, like, hey, listen, if I find where there's a good donor in town, I'm going to tell the world, right? Absolutely. So, doesn't it seem ironic? I don't say this in a way to, to knock us down, but just to empower us that you can. We make invitations all the time. That, you know, isn't, you would think, why would it be more difficult to introduce people to your very best friend, Jesus? It's just making an introduction to someone you love, to someone you know. The next tool in the toolbox is this. It's to ask good questions. Uh, this, this is the one maybe I like the most. Uh, good questions. Uh, now, I know in this COVID-19 uh, period that we're in, it's so easy to ask people questions about how are they doing. Ask them about their stress level. Ask them about the things that are frustrating them these days. 
And that can open up that pivot that I was talking about earlier to a meaningful conversation. It's right there in front of you right now. But there are other questions as you start to, to invite people to consider their faith. One of the ones I'll often ask is this. Um, hey, listen, I, I, I'm somebody who uh, leads a church. Uh, we're always wondering how people think about churches these days. What do you think about church anyway? And that's sometimes how we'll start a conversation. But you could just fill in the blank. What do you think about the Bible? What do you think about Jesus? Uh, what do you think about what happens after you die? These questions are good, and they can open the door. Uh, you could ask questions about, what, what do you think the future of the world is? Do you think that things are going to get better? Think things are going to get worse? What's going to fix it? Good questions, right? Uh, other questions that can, can help people go deeper. When do you feel closest to God? It's a good question. Uh, others would be, do you think praying really works? And asking that, just genuinely listening for the answers. Something that I was just thinking about this week, don't, don't make a point when a question will do, right? Often this is how Jesus began his conversations with people. He didn't make a sermon. He didn't preach. He asked a question. You too. Uh, the other tool in the toolbox is just simple. We're out to make friends. That's what we're trying to do. Not to be popular, but to build a relationship with people. So that's what we're trying to do when we share our faith. We're trying to build a relationship, not to explain a religion. And that's a huge difference. That means that, that we're talking to people about Jesus, to the people that, that you know. And also, you need to check your motives, right? Are, are you going to be interested in this person, not just if they believe in Jesus too, or if they're really receptive to what you say, but are you going to be a friend who's going to be in it with them no matter what? We're here to make friends. And then uh, lastly, and of course I say the last one, it's the most important one, it's, it's just this, it's be real, be authentic. There's nothing that opens people up than more than sharing about your struggles. And that's a part of all of our stories. If you know your story well, you're going to be able to explain where you've struggled in your life. And people are going to be relate to that. You'll seem more human. Of course we are, but you know what I mean when I say human, right? You'll seem more authentic. You'll, you'll be relatable. And we don't do that just as a, a, you know, some kind of way to manipulate people. But it's just so important to open things up is to be real with others. Just as we land here today, I, I, I can't help but thinking in this growing season how it's a process, sharing your faith, people coming to Jesus. Uh, it's preparing the soil, right, of people's lives. And sometimes that's by answering their questions or sometimes that's just by loving them and being a good friend to them. And then there's sowing seeds. It's just maybe little conversations here and there. It's irrigating. It's throwing water uh, on, on these seeds. It's weeding, you know. There could be uh, some, some uh, messed up ideas that they have. Or maybe they've been hurt by the church before. It's, it's pulling out those weeds. And then it's harvesting too. But in the midst of it, don't feel that pressure that you've got to make some stuff happen. Because uh, the point Jesus made about farming was this. It happens, you, you, can, you do all that you can to get the ground ready and you plant the seeds, but then the growth happens just all by itself. And by that he meant, it is God and his spirit that works in your hearts. He provides the rain, he provides the sun, he provides the biological process, right? 
You don't need to feel the weight about closing some deal. God didn't create you to be a salesperson or a marketer. That's not your job. You're a prayer. You're someone who loves. You're someone who asks questions and have conversations. That's your part. Pray. Pray for opportunities. Seize those opportunities when they come. And I think there's one verse. When I think about sharing your faith, I think this means uh, an incredible amount. It's your part. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But in your hearts, revere, set apart Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And that is, uh, that's my blessing to you today, that that would happen. Now allow me to pray for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you've given us the most life-changing, the most incredible, beautiful, good news to be able to live out and share with other people. God, I pray you'd be working in the hearts of our people, that they would uh, feel a new courage and a new insight, that this would just be easy and very natural for them. Lord, because of your Holy Spirit, empowering them. In Jesus' name, amen. So folks, this is the part of our service where we take the message and unpack it just a little bit more, uh, looking at how in, in re- very real and tangible ways it applies to our life. And this morning, we're here with Dory. Dory, I'm really glad that you can be here And instead of me trying to summarize all that you do, uh, why don't you just talk about it just for a quick second? Sure, I'd be glad to. You know, for myself, I've served with Power to Change for 22 years. Started off on the campus side, spent some time overseas in East Asia, Mm. out in Quebec and in Ontario campuses, and then now serve with our digital team and share my faith online and develop partners around the world to help them be mobilized in online evangelism and discipleship. I know we've asked you, especially during the season of the pandemic, a little bit ago, you jumped in, we recruited you for one of our weekly updates Mm -hmm. to talk about digital discipleship a little bit more and what it looks like. So if folks, you want to know a little bit more about that, you can go back on our Facebook page. But for this morning, we wanted to just unpack a little bit about the, the message. This is a season where we've got maybe a little bit more opportunity than we might realize Mm -hmm. to share the gospel. Has that been your experience, Dory? You know, I do find that when there is crisis or there is need around, people actually do start to go deeper and Mm. start to question things at a more fundamental level. So I definitely feel there is a space of greater openness right now. I think I've seen that around too. People seem to be willing to talk about deeper things and and not just stick with the, the surface as much. Yeah. Early on in the message, Corey shared some reasons why people like us might have a hard time uh, sharing their faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were chatting a little bit before we sat down. That, that kind of resonated with us. There, it yeah. seems to be a fairly common thing. That's it. I think almost everyone feels nervous about that because you're wondering like, what if I say the wrong thing? Like, what are people's perception of me? Will I embarrass myself? I don't know almost anyone who's like, oh, this feels so natural. It's like easy. For myself, I'm like naturally like a timid person. Like some people are like, oh, no, you're not. I'm like, no, no, really everything I've done has been a step of faith and takes like the Holy Spirit's like empowerment to do. And so I remember the first time sharing my faith, I was just like, sweating. I was like, oh, this might go badly. And it just was, there's a space of apprehensiveness that I walked into. And so I think that is pretty normal with a lot of people. As we go deeper with people, we wonder how things are going to go. Yeah. And 
It's good to hear that even after all these years, that's still a thing for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were saying you've got 22 years with Power to Change, which is a, a, a gospel-sharing organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, within ministry, I find the same thing. You know, if I've, if I've got a team that I've been building a connection with after or for mm-hmm. a long time, at some point, I want to talk to them about Jesus or have mm-hmm. their friends talk to them about Jesus. That's it. And I think it's natural if we honestly believe what we claim to believe, that this is the biggest thing ever. Yeah. That when it t- comes time to have that conversation, of course there should be some, ap- not apprehension, but some uh, tension because this is a tension moment where somebody uh, could change the rest of their life. How, mm-hmm. how eternity unfolds could change. That's right. And so yeah. it's okay that there's some tension in the air at that point. That's it. Uh, so maybe, if, maybe what we're saying is if you get to the point where you don't care, there could be a problem. Mm. Corey talked about some of the tools that uh, we've got on our tool chest. Yeah. Um, Did any of those stick out to you? You know, I think a few things that stood out was like, and it came to that space of like living inside out, you know, where we actually really care about people. We see people and we ask good questions. I find by asking good questions, we actually can go deeper with people and just asking like beyond like, oh, the surface, how are you doing? But how are you? processing being at home with your kids and doing homeschooling. How is the relationships going? How are you doing if you're an essential service worker? Are you feeling a bit of fear as you're going in? Now, how are you feeling about the borders starting to open up? Is there any nervousness? How is that going? Asking questions that go deeper into life and go deeper into like our own insecurities and our own humanity and frailty. And we all have that because we're all human. There's a point of human connection there. I was thinking when he was talking about that, how... We live in an age where the media, and I don't mean to paint them as the big bad guys, but we live in a very, like, they're, they make their dime off of creating dissension. Mm-hmm. And so we can kind of see modeled for us, uh, I think the term used to be like gotcha politics or something, mm-hmm. but like uh, gotcha questions and all this kind of stuff. I loved Corey's comment, never make a point uh, when a good question will do. Yeah. Right. To actually engage in people's lives. And, and he really underlined this. And I think it's really important to listen to the answer. That's it. Uh, because sometimes we Christians, when we're like, you know what, I really need to start sharing the gospel more. I'm going to share it with my neighbor. It's kind of like we've got a checklist that we're going to work through. And so how are you, Dory? Now let's move on to the main thing. Yeah. Uh, but to actually stay engaged in their life. And I, I love some of those questions that you asked. And I noticed, Dory, that was that was kind of, it almost was natural for you to ask those deeper questions. Mm. For some folks who stumble to see those kind of things, uh, do you have any tips for like how to cultivate a question that, that matters? Yeah, you know, one of the starting points that I have is like prayer, because I always pray and say, Lord, help me have eyes that are sensitive to see the person mm-hmm. and to listen. And so just being able to pray that and yeah. really cover that in prayer. I think the other questions is to to think about who that person is and almost trying to put them put ourselves in their shoes and say, okay, if I was a nurse or if I was the essential worker or if I was, you know, had multiple kids at home or if I yeah. was doing this or that, what would be my journey? What might be some of my struggle and how can I ask a question 
into that. Yeah. Because I think, like you said, Michael, we can err on either side. We can err on the side where we're like, okay, I'm going to share the gospel with you right now. So, yeah. you know, here, here yeah. it goes. And we just rattle it off. And we're just like, it's done. It's like a task. We can also err on the other side where we're so apprehensive to go deeper with someone, either because of our own securities or just the sense of not caring deeper about the person. So it's a really good soul check as we journey yeah. um, to actually go deeper with someone and start to move towards talking about Jesus. We can be on any point of that spectrum. And so being able to say, Lord, where am I at? And mm. where is my struggle? And being able to pray through that and ask that he'd give us that balance of loving, caring, and passionately pursuing those relationships with people, yeah. then starting to ask those questions and going deeper. I loved your comment a, a couple of moments ago about looking at the world from their point of view. Mm -hmm. And that suggests that we love them enough that we're thinking about them ahead of time. Yeah. Right. And because it's easy to sit down and have a couple of conversations about surface level stuff, but to stand back and observe, oh, they've got four kids running around right now mm -hmm. and they're trying to maintain their jobs. Yeah. I wonder what that's like. And to, to be thinking and, and praying for them, as you say, ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the illustrations that Corey pulled out was the, the whole laptop logo thing mm -hmm. and how manufacturers, at one point, they, they started, and they did it for advertising reasons. I was remembering this story, and it, it highlights in a different way for me the switch between thinking about myself, oh, I need to complete this task of sharing the gospel, or I don't want to be embarrassed in sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. it, moving from self-view to other view. I, yeah. One of my teens, they worked for several summers at a, a tourist uh, stop, you know, mm -hmm. where you pull off the highway and go, hey, where can I go camping or where can I get some restaurants? And they pull out maps. Mm -hmm. And because he was across the counter, he was always reading the maps upside down and saying, yeah. oh, okay, you, you want to turn right here and go left. One time we were talking and, and we pulled out a map and I forget the reason. But he, he got more and more agitated as we were talking. And eventually he took the phone and flipped it upside yeah. down so he could recognize things because he'd become so used to seeing the mm -hmm. world from the other person's point of view yeah. that it didn't look normal anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, that's kind of a picture of like having to go through some heart change. Yeah, that's and, good. And learning to see, oh no, the, get, I want to get to the point, and I don't know if I'm there yet, where the world doesn't look right when I'm seeing it from my point of view, mm -hmm. if that yeah. makes sense. It does, yeah. That's uh, good. And I think we as followers of Jesus, and I should let you respond to this, uh, as followers of Jesus, we, we, it, that's not a one-time transition. We mm -hmm. can drift back and forth. Absolutely. Depending on what season of life we're in. Mm -hmm. Very true, yeah. I think as we uh, think of that, that space of like how you use that example about turning the map the other mm. way so it's focused on the other person, I think that's the space of being in tuned enough with where that person is so we can ask good questions, but also recognize how beautifully the gospel intersects that. So, yeah. you know, when we think of the gospel, the gospel provides hope and purpose, significance, meaning. So, um, for example, online, I mentor a lot of women who are walking through difficult relationships and just saying, you know, yes, this is part of your journey relationally, and I want to listen and hear them, but there is a deeper relationship that you can have with the Lord, and there's a deeper relationship that's unconditional mm. in love and that is forever 
and someone who will never leave you. Yeah. He'll never forsake you. He's always there. And if you trust in him, you're able to find a freedom and a relationship like none other. Because again, the gospel is meant to intersect our lives at a deeper level that yeah. speaks to that human need. And Absolutely. so I think that's the beauty of being able to know someone we know where we can yeah. engage. Yeah. And we've got some uh, audience members who are agreeing with that right now. That's it. I'm hearing that amen. I'm yes, hearing that absolutely. amen. Absolutely. Well, look, why don't we uh, close in prayer? Because that is a spot that we should probably meditate on a little bit. Mm. That the gospel, that Jesus brings hope into all circumstances. He does. Yeah. So uh, I didn't ask you in advance, but would you mind praying for our story? I would love to pray. That'd mm -hmm. be great. Lord, thank you so much for this time. We just think of that, uh, that scene in that jail where there could have been despair and mm -hmm. there could have been just woe is me, but I love the pivot where there is the space of praise and proclamation and a transformed jailer's life. Lord, some of us might be feeling as we are kind of in that in-between space with COVID-19 of, of feeling like, what can I do in this space? And it might feel restrictive or awkward or just still um, unsure during this season. But Lord, may we look with your eyes to people. May we be people who love well, who listen well, who seek to engage well by the power of your Holy Spirit, knowing that your gospel is to bring hope and transformation in the most destitute and most challenging of situations in our life. And so, Lord, we ask that we would be people who would look to you as we journey through struggle and that the gospel would be preached in our own lives so that we would be strengthened by the hope that you bring and that in that hope that would flow out of our lives to others so that others would feel and experience and know that unconditional love, that extreme forgiveness, and that hope of eternal life. Mm. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.